Okay, so we're going to kick off the podcast in a very interesting way here. <laughs> Bex taking an E, or is it a G? Are you chomping glucose tablets? Glucose tablets. All right, we'll get back to that later on. Okay, so welcome to Sleep for Performance Radio. This is a special episode. So today I am joined by Mr. Paul Blackbeard. Is that your preferred pronoun? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just Paul Blackbeard. <laughs> Paul Blackbeard. <laughs> Don't call me an asshole and you're okay. And by Beck yeah. Johnson. Now you may remember Beck from last year. We had Beck on. Uh, Beck um, is a swimmer and she was discussing her training around swimming and sort of training and living with type 1 diabetes as well. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, you want to go back, you can jump back and uh, listen to that from last year. So I've asked Beck to come along today as a co-host of Sleep Performance Radio to try something new, but also as well because myself, Beck and Paul have a lot in common, but more so, Beck and Paul have a lot in common. So today we're actually going to be focusing this episode around uh, some of Paul's crazy events Mm. that he has done and what's coming up um, around swimming, really, mainly, open water swimming. So, which is my new love. So that's the great <laughs> thing about a podcast. Once you get interested in yeah. some shit, you can just start talking to people yeah. about it and bring them yeah. on. <laughs> so, Paul, um, people are going to hear your funny accent, funnier than mine. Yep. So do you want to tell everybody where you're from and uh, where you grew up and yep. how you came to Australia? Well, born, born originally in Zambia. Zambia? Uh, Zambia, yeah. My, oh. mom, my mom's English, and she was, she was nursing in Zambia, and she met my dad, who was uh, an 1820 settler, which were the first British settlers that went down to South Africa, and he was up on the mines in Zambia as well. Oh. And so I was born up there. Uh, did most of my schooling in South Africa, though. Came down, uh, did finished uh, finished the last year of primary school, all of my high school, all of my university stuff. Did a BCom, BCom honors, MBA in South Africa. Um, MBA for anybody who doesn't want an MBA, is that means mediocre but ambitious. Exactly. <laughs> or marriage breakup assured. And, and, and the ambition <laughs> happened with the company because the company I was with said, "Oh, we're going to send you on an MD training program," and they sent me off to Sweden for a year. Oh, it must have been terrible. It was tough. But, <laughs> but I thought it was only going to be a year. But in fact, what happened is uh, I went on the program and uh, the program didn't develop the way I thought it was going to because I kind of felt I knew what they were trying to teach me. Yeah. I started complaining about I wanted more. And uh, so I ended up running projects in Eastern Europe. So I ran projects in Russia and Baltic States and Poland and Czech Republic. And and it was fantastic. This is all, this is all like... Uh because so people can't see you, Paul. Do you want to tell people how old you are? Oh. Or do you want to say, do, do you want to give them a range? I'll be 62. 62? <laughs> for the, for the from, yeah. 62 for Rottenism, yeah. Which is in a few weeks. That's, yeah. This is great. Yeah. Okay. So was that, was that during the Cold War so period? This was just the wall had just come down. Just come down. And that's one of the reasons we were doing it, because the Berlin Wall had just come down. And for many of these countries, they had no idea about, about business and how to do things. Yeah. Um, I remember going into a dairy, for instance, and this big lady was sitting there in the dairy saying, there's no market for milk anymore. It's all dried up. <laughs> and I said, oh, explain to me a bit more. She says, the orders come on the telex machine and there's no more orders. They didn't have a sales force. They didn't even or know the concept of setting up a sales yeah, force. Yeah, yeah. So that we were doing basics like helping, helping set up distribution systems, sales forces, yeah. collecting, collecting systems from, from the farms, um, and then also a lot of retail stuff. So it was a really exciting time, and I got fantastic results um, while we were there. And I look back, many of those markets have grown incredibly. Oh, and it's so they completely changed that place, yeah. 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 So they parachuted mm-hmm. me from, from, from Eastern Europe and said, we need that same kind of help in the UK. And I went to the UK then to try and do something similar for a market which is now flat and wasn't growing anymore. And so I, was, I ended up being in the UK for five years. Now, this is all, I thought, one year in Sweden. So yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Five years in the UK. And then I went off to, um, to Italy and became vice, vice president of uh, Global Product Strategy. Um, this is a company now that's... Uh, 20,000 people, $8 billion turnover. Um, I ended up with uh, uh, travel cards for 
Gold, uh, BA, Platinum, American Airlines, KLM, all of this, SAS, everybody, because yeah, I was yeah. traveling so much around the world. But it was an exciting time living in Italy. I didn't see a lot of Italy, but uh, the family did. Yeah, yeah. And then we went off there from there to America. And um, I kind of how, just to, kind of, just to finish the end of the story, I'd, in my life, I'd always said, uh, I'm going to retire at 15 go sailing. And uh, so I was getting close to 50 now. So we actually ended up going back to South Africa, building a yacht in, in Cape Town. And uh, we sailed from Cape Town to Australia. So bottom line, we're one of the boat people they let in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so you never left in Australia, you said. Uh, yeah. Well, my, my sister, my elder sister had been here 30 years. My younger sister, 25. My mom had come out here. So she said she didn't know when I was going to come back to South Africa. She didn't want to go back to England. Uh, she wanted the sun, so uh, yeah. So I knew I was going to end up in, in Perth, and uh, that's where we are. And so, are you are you working now uh, in a, in a job, or are you just doing some kind of interesting projects uh, to keep I, yourself occupied? I, I or yeah, definitely, definitely busy. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm chairman of a not-for-profit organisation, um, and loving that. We've we've taken this not-for-profit from a from a break-even situation um, three four years ago now to uh, double the profit in terms of, oh, sorry, double the turnover and uh, substantially increase the profitability of the business. Uh, we've, we've changed a lot of systems and processes and it's just fantastic to be able to give back with yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of knowledge into an organization like that. Um, I still do a bit of consulting on the side. Um, I'm, I'm trying to help uh, swimmers and athletes with things as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a busy, just busy. Yeah, one good yeah. thing, I, I've known you probably for about two, two and a half years maybe. And one thing I like about you is every time I see you, you're always smiling. <laughs> you're never in a bad mood. Like, so it's, you're, you've always got a smile on your face, which is not normal for people in their 60s. They tend, tend yeah. to get grumpier as they get older. <laughs> you're, get, you're getting happier. So um, we're going to try and suck that life out of yeah, you today and yeah, see, uh, yeah. see, we'll see what the secret is. And Beck, uh, for people who didn't hear you on the podcast last year, do you want to just give a quick overview of your background as well, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I, like Paul and you, are a, a swimmer, open water swimmer, um, and have... It's done a couple of Rottnest solos and have some big plans for 2020 to do a Rotto solo, the Port to Pub Ultra, and um, a double crossing to Rottnest, uh, Rottnest and back again. All in one go. In one go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the campaign's called Life Without Limits, and it's something that um, I've really put together because I live with type 1 diabetes, as you mentioned. I am the CEO of the Type 1 Diabetes Family Centre, which is a community and clinical care service for families with kids impacted by type 1, and I really want to show these kids that they can go out there and crush big goals Um, it's really important to me because when I was diagnosed the first conversations I had with people were around the things I couldn't do anymore because I had type 1 diabetes I had to inject myself with insulin six or seven times a day carefully measure my blood sugar and was going to live with that for life and the conversations about all those barriers and risks and challenges um, didn't sit well with me and we wanted to create a space and an organization that flipped that script and really shows um, people who are diagnosed within those first 12 months in particular that all that positive messaging that can help them frame Mm. their disease positively for the rest of their lives yeah so that's what i do every day and um i swim because i love it as well and i've always been been drawn to the ocean and um it's all sort of landed in this beautiful synergy where i can do projects like that on the side Mm. and and work in the community that i love as well yeah and so beck and i swim in the same group um and often do a number of training swims in the ocean as well so we were talking on the weekend about some of beck's um crazy adventures coming up um we had a great weekend swimming it was like swimming in an aquarium wasn't it it was so nice was in beautiful. the water um between like just sort of north Coddesdale and Coddesdale it was such yeah. a nice day and we we're chatting about some of the things so and I had wanted to get you on the podcast so I thought 
what a great way to get everybody together and to share some of your crazy adventures together cool. and uh, mm-hmm. have a chat about it as well. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Paul, you, like you say, you grew up in Zambia, went to South Africa. When did you start swimming or how did you get into swimming? Was it always something you did? or I started boxing. Oh, and it was pretty useless at that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I do we have, have another thing in common. <laughs> Although I do have a small trophy from participation. <laughs> and uh, you're not the kid out of power of one, are you? <laughs> and my dad said, "Well, you know, maybe we should try another sport." And uh, he said he used to dive at school, so uh, yeah. you know, let's try diving. But he said you need to learn to swim before we we do the diving. So I started swimming and uh, never 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 stopped. Uh, got into the swimming. Uh, actually, swam for Zambia. Uh, against uh, against Kenya, so that was kind of nice in my younger days. Now, is Zambia landlocked? Landlocked, yeah. Right, yeah. so there's no ocean, so a pool. But 50 m- we had a beautiful, um, being on the mining, on the mines up there, we had a beautiful 50-meter swimming pool. Um, and it was, the gardens around it were immaculate. It was just a stunning environment to yeah, train. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the, the local lifesaver was also the swimming coach. And he, and my, my style that I have, a lot of people comment on it, that it's a really good style, comes from him largely. He gave me the basics of my swimming. Um, and uh, so yeah, so from that we then came down to South Africa, found an Australian coach um, who I'm still really good friends with. In fact, we're going to see him on the Gold Coast in uh, two months' time again. Um, and uh, he then took my swimming to another level um, because of the, the 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 apartheid time. Because I grew up during during that time in South Africa, we couldn't compete internationally, uh, but life saving could. So he said, "Well, we're doing all the swimming. Let's." do some life-saving and use that. So I then got into pool life-saving, yeah. um, broke a world record in that. I got into surf life-saving, um, world champion in that. Um, and it was kind of, that's that kind of gave me the international aspect of, of the swimming. Um, but from a pool swimming point of view, I could never do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then and then I could take, carried on swimming. I started the Masters Organization in South Africa, and that's from 25 upwards. Um, and it was really new in those days because it was only really in America. It wasn't in other parts of the world. And, uh, and we started one of the earlier master's organizations. Um, I remember going onto the beach because I was very involved in surf lifesaving and getting all the guys playing touch rugby on the beach and saying, I want to form this new organization. I need a quorum. Guys, won't you come in? <laughs> and that's kind of how we got it going. You know, We kind of got a forum and, uh, and got a group of people together and got some volunteers. And yeah. And then I loved the master's swimming and carried on with that and doing that. And um, it was only when I got to, to Perth, and that's, as you say, was you know, now 50, 50, what was it, 53 then by then. Um, I thought, well, I now live in Perth, and there's this crazy swim that everybody does um, from Perth to this island 20 kilometers away. And I have to do it at least once. I call myself a swimmer. Yeah, I yeah. have to do this at least once. And so um, <laughs> I found Shelley Taylor-Smith who probably many people know is the you know, seven times world champion, fantastic. I've just read a book, actually. It's a really good book worth reading. Um, and Shelley uh, kind of taught me about rotter pace and because I've always been a sprinter. I was never a distance swimmer. Um, and, uh, and I discovered that I actually quite like this distance swimming, this long-distance ocean swimming, because it's just, it's just such a beautiful thing to be out there mm. in the ocean. So um, before Paul even thought about doing this ocean swimming, yeah. what was the furthest you might have swam in the ocean? Three and a half kilometers. I, I did. I used to do an ocean race that was three and a half kilometers. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was the furthest I'd ever swam. Yeah. So from there, from three and a half to twenty kilometers was a big jump. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I did a, a team a team event the first time on one of the holidays when you came out to visit the family. 
And so a team event for anybody that doesn't know what the rottenness is like you have four swimmers four swimmers yes. and you can basically change over as often as you want you can do exactly. 10 minutes each an hour each exactly and you keep changing from the boat yeah. on the way over to rottenness is yeah. 20k distance so yeah. that was the, that was your first one and yeah. I, and i uh, um, my sister had organized the whole thing um and i use this example the story because i talk at the nutrition seminar for rottenness swimmers and i often use the stories about the importance of preparation because i, I came off a plane They'd organized the boat, the paddle ski, the food, everything. I just got straight on the boat and swam with them. And uh, the person who'd organized the food for us uh, was a, a really good um, food caterer, but she got seasick. <laughs> and everything was in little boxes, <laughs> and nobody knew how to put the stuff together. <laughs> so the food was, and it wasn't really the kind of food we should be eating either. Yeah, yeah. So the food was a disaster. Uh, we had a major accident on the boat. Um, the ski paddler was getting seasick and uh, it was just it was a disaster it's just a great day it was a great <laughs> day but it wasn't <laughs> we finished you finished somehow <laughs> so if, if it was so kind of crazy on that day why did you what made you want to go back it was this, this challenge of you know I've got to do this 20 kilometer once that was, yeah. that was that's how it started I've got to do this thing once I'm a swimmer I need to, I need to take on this challenge yeah uh, I'm, I'm going to do it again this year now this will be my fifth one your fifth. And it seems like every three years I do a solo. So it's become a, you know, three years and another solo. I've forgotten the pain of the last one. It's <laughs> <laughs> about how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Beck, how many solos have you done? Or how many crossings have you done now? I've done two now. Two solos? Yeah, 2019 and 2017. Yeah. Uh, 2017 was a painful year. That was the year of a big current that came through that I very much got caught in. I think I swam over the same rock for about two hours at one point, which yeah. was a bit soul-destroying. But um, that was uh, yeah, a year that took nine hours and 54 minutes. And at the 10K mark, I discovered that you could get seasick while swimming, yeah. which was new news to me. Um, so it was quite an unpleasant thing and took me two years to forget. So yeah. I signed up for again another yeah. one in 2019 and had a much better run and um, did a sub-seven, which I was much happier with. So, yeah, um, yeah back for another one this year. Yeah. Well, I did the, the duo last year for the first ever crossing. Mm. And uh, after 17 years living in Perth, I'd never been to Rottnest. So my first time to go there was to actually swim <laughs> there. And like yourself, Beck, around 10 or 11 Ks, I started vomiting too in the water. And I was like, okay, so now I'm sick in the water. And I was on the boat and I was sick in the yeah. boat and I had nowhere to go. And it was kind of like, yeah. right, I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Because even if my, my duo partner keeps swimming, I'm going to be sick on the boat. So I might as well get in the water and be sick in the water as yeah. well. Yeah. But the minute I finished... Once I got into dry land, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll do a solo. <laughs> <laughs> and the paddlers were like, you really are an idiot. Like, and I was like, hmm, maybe it might be easier in the water all yeah, the time. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. so um, yeah. I, but, I, I, but I highly recommend to people that they do exactly what you did, a duo first and then a solo. Because I think you need to understand what this thing's about. You know, to jump from a team to a solo is a big jump. I think it's a good good way to do it. Yeah, the duo for me last year just gave me a world of confidence to, yeah. to go into a solo. I'd only been a year swimming at that stage. And it was it was... I won't say it was a painful um, experience compared to long distance running, but it was just it was just different. I think mm. the, the, just the constant vomiting, mm. really. I think I was on the edge of like getting really dehydrated and getting yeah. sick. So yeah, anyone met it. So, yeah. but it kind of inspired me as well to try it this year. So, yeah. so yeah. Are you doing anything to protect yourself from vomiting this year? Well, uh, interesting enough, I haven't felt seasick in the water once this year, yeah. and I've even done up as far as ten or eleven k's in the water. So I think constantly being in the water actually doesn't affect me as opposed to getting in now the boat. Uh, I've tried taking. I'm medicated up to my eyeballs. and I've tried taking quells and not taking yeah. quells. I've done the patch behind the ear, and so it seems mm. to be at the moment nothing. Mm. So 
fingers crossed, touch wood. Mm. But uh, I think if I start puking at the 12, I'll still have enough left just to get there. Yeah. I'm more afraid if I start puking before the 10, yeah. then I'm, and then I'll be in, in trouble. But yeah. yeah, we'll just keep going, Paul. <laughs> so anyway, um, so you, got, you came to Australia, did the team, you're doing the solo. Now, you're in nearly every open water swim that we go to around town. I can't constantly see your mm. name. You're up there around the top 10, mm. if not even higher at some stages. Um, so was this then a kind of a concerted effort for you to say, right, I'm going to really push into open water swimming and try to be the best I can? Or is it just a byproduct of um, being happy, not working full time, <laughs> having all this time to train? Yeah. So what what is it and that kind of allows you to push so much? Because yeah. you're competing, you're finishing swims ahead of guys that are like 18, 19 who are like yeah. really good swimmers. Yeah. So what's the secret, Paul? Yeah. In two okay. words or less. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's interesting. This this uh, this sum that's coming up now. This I'm in the channel of the champions, so it's with all the youngsters again. I'll be 62, and I reckon the average age is probably 26. You know, yeah. it's, it's that kind of ratio. Um, and I'm, but I don't feel myself competing against them. Uh, I'm competing against the woman actually. Probably there's at least four or five guys who are going to be ahead of me, but I'm racing the top woman, and I'm quite happy to be racing the top woman because I'm I'm racing because I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I just love it. It's just, it's not, it's not like where I finish or anything. I just enjoy, enjoy the flow of the event, how it happens. You know, it just, it just feels so good. That's yeah. what I enjoy. So it's more just about yourself. Yeah. It's not about, it's not about competing with anybody. It's about, not about yeah. the numbers or the finishing position. No, if I get third or fifth, it doesn't matter, or tenth, you know, but, I, but if I have a good race, if I feel good that I've had a good race, I yeah. love that, you know. So Paul, like you said, you're 62. Um, I don't want to make you feel bad, but I'm going to make you feel bad here. And I'm going to call out somebody here. My dad is 62. Yeah. Right, yeah. sorry, but my dad likes to sit yeah. on the couch and have a beer and do no exercise. Yeah. So Jimmy, get up and move, because yeah. if Paul can do it, so can you, <laughs> right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to shame him. Yeah. Um, most people, as they get older, want to yeah. wind down, yeah. not do much. Yeah. You seem to be ramping up and yeah. ramping up year on year. Yeah. Why and how are you doing I'm, that? I'm probably swimming better now than I was five years ago. And, um, and largely that's because two years ago I broke my elbow. Um, I have uh, I have a titanium um, section of the one bone going into the elbow. I've got metal work all up the other, uh, the other bone holding it together. And it was that kind of moment of breaking on Rottnest Island on a bicycle, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Fell off and landed on the elbow, shattered everything. Um, but it was that it was that kind of I don't want to I don't want to live with a with a with this problem holding me back. Um, and I remember when I started doing the physio afterwards, that you know that gave me this little little tiny little green elastic and said wrap it around your foot and do some bicep curls with it and I could only just pull up this little green elastic <laughs> and I just thought no I've got to you know I've just got to follow yeah. the instructions in the beginning really important but then and I started doing things that I haven't done before I've never done really weights in my life so I started doing weights I then started doing yoga I started doing Pilates as a result of other things I've changed my diet I've done all sorts of things which I've never done before and the result has been phenomenal you know and I'm enjoying it and it's quite nice to change things up yeah. So, um, yeah. So, a number of different factors. All yeah. right. So, let's look at the diet first. And I'm going to hand over to Bex. I know Bex got lots of questions about diet. <laughs> Not in an antagonistic way, but more of a discovery yeah. way. And by the way, for anybody listening, we're not going to get into here is the best diet to follow if you're a swimmer. So if you have a pen ready to write down the secret, it's not going to be that. Yeah. There's not one particular diet. Agreed. So yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned when we were talking earlier, yeah. Paul, that you've, you've moved across to a plant-based diet in the last yeah. couple of years. Can, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, sure. It started actually because I, um, I love cheeses. Um, 
I love um, I love I love fats basically. Kind of I was I was into that and and um, there was this thing in South Africa. Tim Noakes was pushing called called banting, mm-hmm. and and I thought that's that's me. All that stuff I love that stuff. So I tried banting, and my cholesterol went to nine point five, and I thought, oops, that's not really good. And my doctors were panicking, and it was like not great. So my mind said, well, if, if it's cholesterol's causing the problem, then I'll just stop eating anything that has cholesterol. I'll go plant-based and see what happens. And so I just changed from that moment to go plant-based. Um, and my cholesterol went down to 3.2 overnight. or well, not overnight, but within that month. Mm. Uh, it's now stabilized about 4 to 5, so it's around that area. So it's gone up a bit, but, it's, but that, was my, that was my logic originally. It was just health reasons, get my cholesterol down. Um, a couple of things happened from that. I found increased energy. I must say, I did. I did feel the energy come through. Uh, I was sleeping, sleeping much better. Maybe we'll talk about sleep just now. <laughs> <laughs> but sleeping was good. Um, and and then it, I wasn't I wasn't environmental about my plant-based eating, but as you kind of read more about it and see more about it, you kind of pick up some of that. So you come a bit, so it, it reinforces what you're trying to do. So the environment becomes a bigger issue about your eating plans as well. But it's mainly for medical reasons I did it. That's what started it. I think that the thing that really occurs to me is um, as an endurance swimmer, I mean, protein and energy density are two big things where you're, um, you, you obviously need to yep. get a huge amount of calories in. Yep. Sourcing those from plant-based foods is something that I, I thought, what's the volume of food yeah. that you're eating and yeah. what are the kinds of food? What's a typical day look like? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I lost four kgs when I first started, when I changed from, from my normal meal to, to plant-based. But it was probably a good four kgs I lost because <laughs> I feel I'm, 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 I now weigh uh, 80, 81, something like that. When I used to swim in my in my heyday, I used to weigh 74. So I've obviously kind of over years put on some weight anyway. That um, was just a four kgs of camembert that you lost there? So, yeah. <laughs> I still miss that because <laughs> the plant-based cheeses aren't good. <laughs> some of the cream cheeses are good, but the other you know cheddar, cheddar replacements and that, oh, and I love that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the typical typical food, um, uh, Buddha bowls, um, a lot of pasta, still eat a lot of pasta. Um, I have put egg back into my diet. I, I just had this thing in my head that I need a pure protein, so I, and, and so I have egg in my diet. But apart from that, um, it's just, uh, and then, yeah, we eat well. My wife, thank goodness, is also um, plant-based, and she's a great cook and, and innovative, and um, so we just, yeah, we have a, a lot of good meals. I, I'm not into, sorry, but I should point out, I, I really try and avoid the, the um, um, replacement type plant-based stuff where people are making up products to be like a meat product. Or like a fake sausage type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> also, yeah. most of those aren't very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a whole foods, whole foods plant-based. Yeah, exactly. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And, and fueling your swimming while you're, while you're doing big swims like the Roto Swim. Um, I, I guess most of the carbohydrate-based stuff that most people go yeah. for would be naturally plant-based. But if you're going for whole yeah. foods, how do you make that work? Yeah. I, don't, I don't actually consume a lot when I'm doing the Rotten Swim. Um, I have been for years an, uh, using a product called E3, which I think most swimmers would know. Um, it's not plant-based. It has a whey product on it. I kind of, it's, and, and it's caused me a few problems because I think my, my, um, my gut has changed over time. Mm-hmm. So when I put something like it in, and you're talking about being sick, my stomach doesn't feel as good as it used to feel. And, uh, and, alo- and also, I only put two teaspoons of that, and I really don't put the th- full quantity. So it's more, just more water with a little bit of E3 in it. But I do, feel the, I do feel that effect on my stomach, which I never used to feel. And probably from the whey 
That's probably the way. That's probably the way. Quite a lot of people react to way. Yeah, I must must say, like, I was sponsored by E3 a few years ago, full disclosure, when I was running. um, And I still helped them out by being kind of an ambassador for their product because I I just really like it. And it's a West Australian business. I'm trying to to support them as well. We've done some ads for them on the podcast. And I I, I said the same, like, I just kind of dilute the taste. um, Because the same thing as well, like you, Paul, when I was doing long distance running, I actually don't consume that much food. I tend to not eat a lot when I'm when yeah. I'm doing swimming or running but yeah. afterwards like the next 24 hours it's like yeah. watch out you know yeah because um, I'll eat everything yeah, um, yeah. no I definitely but fuel up afterwards yeah and, and as soon as I can too yeah same here but yeah. during the event I'm like you I'm yeah. I can't protein shakes and yeah I can't like sort of yeah. um, be in the water and go right I have to consume 200 yeah. mils of liquid it's like whatever I can get in I'm gonna take and then move on yeah. I can't sit there treading water going I have to eat this I have to do that because it'll just elicit a, like a response to vomit, really. Yeah, yeah. An overfeeding. Well, yeah. interestingly, at the this last year's Rottnest swim, my I, my blood glucose dropped in the last probably four k's, mm. and I was trying to. I'm I'm a fat adapted athlete, so I used a ketogenic banting yeah, yeah. approach. Um, but at that point, I had yeah. to you know pull out all the stops and do emergency glucose yeah. to manage my blood glucose, and. I swam for 90 minutes, two hours with low blood sugar, even though I was ingesting significant amounts of glucose. And as soon as I got to the island, my blood glucose went double arrows up and went super high. So I wasn't actually absorbing any of that food that I was taking in. It was sitting in my stomach, all the blood was Mm. in my muscles, in my arms. And I thought that was really interesting because I was swimming along thinking, why is this glucose not hitting my system? And I think that's a key thing for people to think about. Absorption rates, yeah. Yeah, when they're fueling swims and and eating significant amount along the way, is it actually going in? Yeah, or is it just sitting there in the gut? Mm. And and the same as the gel shots. I've actually now gone off gel shots as well. I I do very same. sit on my stomach yeah. I feel them going into yeah. my muscles I'm mm. very same. yeah yeah so I've actually it's funny I said that Paul so I have some gels but it's very I think on a 10k swim a while ago I had one gel mm. and what I've done is I've actually started um, making up my own baby foods um, yeah. or whatever they call them like that because you can get those reusable baby food pouches yeah. Yeah. and what I do is I'll blend like banana creamed rice in, right. a, in a blender and then pour oats. it in <laughs> and oats as well nice. that's another one yeah, um, yeah. or mango so I'll do yeah. those the other one I've done as well is um because I'm Irish and people like to do this, I'll uh, take the piss on myself. I do potatoes. <laughs> potatoes, um, some milk and butter, yep. blend it all up in a Vitamix, pour it in as well. Yep. Same thing as well. And so that's sort of either the banana, yep. oats, rice one, or the potato one. And I feel heaps better yep. absorbing that. Um, I make it a little bit more, kind of more liquidy so I can get it down me. That and E3. Yep. And I seem to be fine after swimming. Yep. Um, my wife has even commented this year, like, you know, previously, if I went out running in the morning, I'd be kind of just wrecked in the afternoon, mm. couldn't move. But mm. after swimming, I seem to have lots of energy. Yep. And I think it's a fact that I'm getting more sort of natural or whole foods into me. Yeah. And I think this year, I wouldn't say in the last six months, I've even consumed 10 gels. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Moved away from it. The very yeah. same thing, Paul. Yeah. And I actually used to feel sick after them. Like I, yeah. I f- used to feel like I needed a trope nearly to expel it from me. Yeah. I was like, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, and they're strongly flavoured a lot of the time as well, which is the last thing you yeah. want. Yeah, when you're and caffeinated. Some of them are really badly, ca- yeah. highly caffeinated yeah. as well, yeah. which is not great either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but as you said right at the beginning, everybody's personal, and you've got to find out what works for you. Yeah, I mean, definitely don't listen to our advice and go, "That's what I'm going to do." <laughs> yeah, this is just our stories. I think. And I think it's it's important to stay curious mm. with, especially with nutrition. We're moving so much more towards mm. individualised 
personalised nutrition. Mm. And if I think it, it serves us as swimmers, as athletes, to look at the spectrum of different nutrition mm. approaches available, experiment ourselves, mm. find yeah. out, as you say, what clicks for our bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I avoid eating carbohydrate because mm. I can't metabolise it mm. without injecting insulin. So yeah. um, I've built up a whole approach to endurance swimming from that perspective. Yeah. You've got a different one. And we've got all of these tools in the yeah. toolbox that we've got to play with. And I yeah. think that's quite exciting because yeah. there is no one-size-fits-all. Yeah. Um, um, and that's fairly new because sports nutrition up until fairly recently has been very much around carbohydrate loading, yeah. using these supplements and yeah. gel shots and so on and so forth. And I think people are really starting to take that, take it yeah. themselves now and say, yeah. no, I'm going to do this and this is what works for me. Yeah, and I've played around with a number of diets as well. And it's interesting because we're all actually quite different. So what Paula said, what you've said, and then for me, like I've tried keto, paleo, but because I've got a naturally fatty liver, I don't process fat very well. If I eat a lot of fat, I end up feeling sick. Mm. Right, so that's that's not been great for me. I also have tried low carb as well, yeah. and I find that it does improve my energy to a certain point. But then when I start doing high training loads, then I start mm. crashing. And so for me, I know I need that little bit more carbohydrate. So like being completely no carbs or low carbs yeah. during high volumes yeah. of training is not good for me. Yeah. So I found within a range of different things that what works for me. But what I think is very interesting about all these different diets, personally. And I've done some work with um, some of the guys at the AIS around nutrition, and we've just published a paper in a, in a journal recently looking at sleep and diets and stuff like that in combat sport athletes. What I think is really interesting is that when we all actually sit down together, we're either keto, plant-based, vegan, vegetarian, Atkins, whatever you might be, mm. right? If you had a Venn diagram, they all overlap, and basically like 90% of it is the same, as in don't eat highly processed food, control your caloric intake, you know, everything in moderation. Yep. There is so much stuff that actually overlaps yep. and people talk about it is the same. Yep. Like just because someone is paleo doesn't mean that they're saying you have to eat 15 steaks a day. Yep. You can have a lot of plant-based foods in a paleo diet as with a keto diet, as yep. with a low carb, as with a vegan diet. Yep. Yep. So there's actually more in common, but for some reason we tend to get tribal with nutrition and go, mm. what's our point of difference as opposed to what do we have in common? Mm. And I think if people ate more kind of, we'll say whole foods just in general, I think people will be a lot better off. Yeah, real, you know? real, real food. Real foods, foods, yeah. 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 And understanding the gut is the, the next, uh, they talk about the gut being the next kind of frontier for us in yeah. medical science. You know, we don't know enough about all those thousands of things that are in there and how different they are for everybody. Yeah. You know, where you get it from and how it develops. Yeah, there's lots of stuff even happening in the sleep world now in the chrononutrition, chronobiology, yeah. that's all yeah. coming in. People are talking about periods of fasting. It's not something I've looked into um, a lot. We've mm. had some people on the podcast, but chrononutrition and yeah. the timing of nutrition, especially on shift workers, is a growing field as well. Yeah. So, yeah. and then overlap that with sort of or overlay that with um, amateur elite athletes as well. So there's still yeah. loads to do, I think, in this yeah. area. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think it's easy to overthink it as well i mean it, when you, you get so far up into right i'm going to time my food and i'm going to have a fasting period here and i'm going to think about my macronutrient split and mm. ratio and sometimes it's about going for what am i what am i drawn to here yeah, and yeah. what's my body telling me exactly yeah, yeah. listen to your body yes yeah. um and that's and the last thing about athletes you get to know your body you do you can listen to it yeah. yeah, and yeah. and it's one of the things I feel blessed living with type one because I have this constant biofeedback mm. of what stress, what lack of sleep, what certain foods are doing yeah. to my blood glucose level, yeah. which is impacting everything else in yeah. my system. Um, uh, but I, I do believe if we can just go for what we're drawn to yeah. um, and what's feeling making our performance feel really well fueled, yeah. then that's the stuff. Yeah. Um, and you got to you got to di dial yeah. into that. Yeah. 
Now there's some guy drinking two or three beers going, I want to get Maccas. So is he drawn to that right you now? You don't have permission to be drawn to Maccas. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, speaking of having a few beers, um, what's your approach, Paul, to, would say, either legal or illegal substances? Alcohol, cigarettes, yeah. cannabis, drugs, all that. What's your... Um, do you partake in any of that? Starting with, starting with alcohol, um, I've now, I'm now a weekend drinker, and even that during the, the main season, yeah, I might not even have during the weekend. So I've, I'm, I'm definitely reduced my alcohol content um, or consumption a lot. Um, my wife still enjoys a bit of red wine, and I, I would have a sip with her sometimes. But uh, yeah, so this alcohol is, is much less than it used to be. And if you listen to some of the dietitians talk about alcohol, how the whole system kind of goes into yeah. a flight and fight mode. You know, it wants to kind of because of alcohol. So I can understand it, and I think we're going to end up seeing a little bit like we got with cigarettes at uh, the anti-campaigns. I think it's coming now already with alcohol quite strongly. So the future you mightn't see, we see less and less. Definitely not a smoker or drugs or anything like that, and and, and very clean in terms of what I put into my body. So um, I don't like that expression of what's the, my body's my temple or something, but that kind of thing. Yeah, I think yeah. it's important. What you put in is what you get out. Yeah. So keep it clean. And what about um, caffeine consumption? Because a lot of people are interested in caffeine. They think like that yeah. caffeine is just the the evil devil. Some people, yeah, I think yeah. it's the greatest thing that was ever invented. But yeah. anyway, that's just me. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a coffee in the morning. Uh, yeah. You often have wanted a coffee now, and I've had my coffee, so I'll keep I keep my coffee consumption down. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I quite like it in the morning. And is there anything else in sort social. of social? <laughs> social. Is there anything else in the sort of diet nutrition area that you're doing that's probably different than you might have, we may have heard before? Or uh, I don't really think so. Oh. It's just. Um, no, I mean, I, I mentioned about, uh, you know, when I'm training hard, yeah. I like to have a protein shake straight after within half an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's quite important. It helps yeah, the yeah. recover. Yeah, um, but apart from yeah. that, I wouldn't think there's anything. So, so no, there was a hard training session. I'll always eat straight afterwards. Yeah. You know, I'll make sure I try and do that. Yeah. Um, after a hard uh, competition as well, I always ease down. I've learned as I got older, easing down is just such an important thing to get those muscles to kind of just work themselves through. I used to get out of a race and just go and you know, chat and everything else like that. And wonder why I was stiff and sore. Mm. Ease down, really important. Yeah, yeah. So I'll always swim down afterwards. Now, you also, Paul, spoke about one of the things you started doing was sort of weights and yoga. Mm. Um, I'm interested to know more about, about this, why, why you feel or why that's kind of improved your performance. Yeah. Um, so what specifically are you doing around that sort of strength and conditioning and mobility issue? Well, well the, the weights is, every, is twice a week now. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's not heavy weights. Um, it's kind of, but, it, but, uh, but it's a range of exercises, mainly swimming kind of muscles that I'll be doing. Um, and I would, uh, and it started because of the little green elastic band, realizing I couldn't yeah, pull yeah. it, you know. And so as I started building that up, I started doing more and more of kind of just building other muscles and working with them. And I think it's been good toning. I think it's really helped. It's definitely made my arm stronger, which was the, the original reason I started it. Yeah. So I've now got the one arm almost as strong as the other arm again. Um, so the weights was, um, that, that was just to build the muscle. And then the flexibility, I think as you get older as well, you know, you might be losing muscle, but you're also losing flexibility. So doing a bit of Pilates and yoga, um, and, it's, and it's not big classes. Like we do them home, watch YouTube. Oh, yeah. You know, you know yeah. It's, it's simple classes. But you know, we love some of the instructors, Cassandra and uh, Boho Beautiful and these kind of people that we follow. And uh, actually, if you want to watch Boho Beautiful, they travel the exotic places of the world and do Pilates and yoga. Oh, really? What's it called? Boho Beautiful. Boho? Boho, yeah. Like B-O-H-O? Yeah, yeah. It's oh. lovely. Um, and uh, you just do these classes around the world, and uh, it's a nice way to start the day. <laughs> oh. And what are they like? 10, 20 minutes, half an hour? Uh, Twenty minutes, half yeah. an hour. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you do, do that in the morning, do you? When you get up, in the morning, yeah. Oh, get excellent. Up and yeah. Do them straight away. 
Yeah, I've been doing yoga over the last few years, probably consistently two, three times a week, hot yoga here in East Perth yeah. at a place called Urban Up. Yeah. Um, and it's been, I find it's been really good for me because I've had obviously some back and disc issues. Yeah. It's been really good. But um, when I travel as well, it's good to have uh, um, some videos Something to, to watch yeah, on YouTube that you can do in your hotel room. So yeah. this will, uh, I'll definitely add this one to the list. So boho, beautiful. Yeah. 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 And with the strength and conditioning, are you, have you just made up your own routine? Have you got a coach or how's uh, that, how's that know, working? There's so many people s sharing stuff of what, what swimming exercises are. Yeah. So it, it hasn't been hard to make up my own routine. I've looked at the exercise and go, that's the one. I know I need that muscle. That'll work. Yeah. Um, so we've got an exercise routine of about 20 different exercises now. Um, and just, you know, it, again, it takes about 40 minutes. There's a warm-up, exercise, and, ease and, and a cool-down. Yeah. So about 40 minutes twice a week. And one of those Bowflex, I don't know if you know the Bowflex systems. No. They, they, I actually remember seeing them in America, I think, because we lived in America for a while. I'm thinking, what a clever system it is. It's rods that you can actually just put, um, you can just put your um, um, attention on. And these Ooh. carbon rods. And it's, so it's a very easy system to have at home, connect it up and uh, do your exercise on it. On elastic? It, it's a carbon rod that, that has, a, has a, um, um, a stainless steel wire connected to it, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's plastic. And you can do every exercise you can think of. It's a clever machine. I must say, I look at it sometimes and think, how do they work out all that pulley system yeah, so yeah. that you can do such a range of exercises? Mm. You can just do it in anything you want. Bench press, pull-ups, leg exercises, everything. It's all there. Oh, very good. Yeah. Excellent. And so, Beck, with your events coming up with the double crossing, um, are you doing any sort of stuff um, like Paul around the strength and conditioning or the uh, mobility stuff? Yeah, so I joined a, a, a gym in Wembley, Formidable Strength and Conditioning, um, over winter, and I've been training with them for about five months. And the guys that own that, Simon and Ryan, are both former elite-level swimmers. They really get the needs of swimmers, and they've mm. been able to design tailored programs around my needs, which have just been terrific. They've, they've also sponsored me with the training um, for the duration of this campaign, so I'm really grateful for that. But... Um, They've just released a book, actually, um, an e-book um, around strength training for the open water swimmer, um, which is on their website. It's called Swimming Strong. And that's something that, yeah, again, it's one of those things where just understanding, you know, what to target, what, mm -hmm. the, what the repeats are. A lot of it will be body weight based stuff, which mm -hmm. I think is really helpful because yeah. you can be flex and it doesn't have to necessarily happen yeah. in a gym. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think that's really benefited me. Um, I, I've really noticed a difference in the strength, particularly in my catch and getting over mm -hmm. the top of my catch um, and my lats as well. They're the two places that really needed a bit of work. Mm. Yeah. Just one other thing I'll just add. We've actually also, <coughs> maybe it's aging, but we try and have a massage once a week now. What a difference that makes as well. Massage is really important. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Really important. Yeah, I get one probably every two weeks, yeah. yeah. I, you're right. And, yeah. and you know what's funny I find about massage as well? When people say to me about, what's the hardest part of your training when you're doing an event? I always say the massage. <laughs> because I don't go and get this, like, you know, like, you know, music Sweet, on Swedish, and someone like, yes. like, like flicking the back of your yeah, neck yeah. the guy that I go to is um, elbow in a Japanese <laughs> well he's Japanese ethnic, ethnically yeah. he's Japanese but yeah. he grew up in South America yeah. so he speaks Spanish but he's Japanese yeah. heritage which is quite interesting and he's really good down at Subiaco Sports yeah. and um, Federico he's got a Spanish name um, Federico and like yeah I just walk out of there like I'm after getting punched in the head like it's just yeah. but like, you feel great like oh. the next morning after yeah. it but it's pretty pretty yeah. tough do you feel great because I, 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 I do, gotta yeah. say how do you recover but I've, I've had a few massages and I've come out and I'm a space cadet for the remainder of the day yeah, but so then I felt like I've been beaten up the following yeah, yeah. day yeah. Do, you, do you pull up sore um, when they really get into some of those 
Yeah, but then if I go back, I go right. I think if you're sore, my personal opinion is I think if you're sore the next day, then it's probably been a bit too much, mm. a bit too hard. Mm. But also as well, I started like at half an hour, then went to 45 minutes in an hour. So I think you got to take it over, build it up over time. But I agree with Paul. I yeah. think from me, but yeah, yeah, regularly. Because yeah, yeah, then you start breaking down things that might have been a problem, yeah. and yeah. you get those cleanup. And, so I, and I, re- I reckon yeah. it's it is one to two days, and then you see the benefits. So yeah. you can't have a massage expect to perform the Not next day. day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it also depends on probably your body type or your injuries or so on. But yeah. I think. Um, for me, it's been it's been awesome this year. Yeah. It's really helped me. So I, I actually attribute my improvement in swimming this year to, um, well, probably lack of martial arts. Yeah. So not getting beat up the whole time. Yeah. Lots of yoga. Yeah. Stretching. Yeah. And massage because mm-hmm. my body's but, far but, more but, looser. You know, that's interesting. This conversation because for me, I believe so much in the holistic approach. You know, it is it's about all these things yeah. come together. It's not just about doing one thing. Can I ask you one yeah. thing on that? Then is you you sound like you build your life around. It, intuition mm. in terms of reading your body and, and its needs yeah. how do you work out training around that because it's it's you know yeah. the days yeah. when i wake yeah. up yeah. and yeah. i yeah. think yeah. oh you know my heart rate variability feels like it's off or i feel like i'm a yeah. bit off or my blood glucose is off but i gotta go to training yeah. because it's wednesday and i don't have time to do it elsewhere in the yeah. week yeah. how do you manage that interesting you, re- you mentioned heart rate variability do you use the app the hrv for training app i have yeah i love that app mm. and it's only because it confirms what i'm already hearing in my body or feeling in my body but it gives you a way to track it. And you can start seeing when you're overtraining or undertraining with that app. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a nice thing. And it just confirms. Because sometimes you can kind of go, well, uh, and I, I feel like I'm overtraining, but I've got to go and do it. That app confirms says, no, no, ease off. Yep. So that, that's that been useful for me, having that uh, HRV for training app and, and monitoring on that. Um, periodization of my training has been really important and quite difficult to manage. Because uh, apart from doing the open water swimming, I'm also doing, still doing life-saving and I'm still doing pool swimming. Um, you know, in the pool swimming, I currently have all the Australian records from 100 metres to 1,500 metres. So I'm, I'm kind of still doing short-distance swimming uh, and I'm going to go and do short course in Sydney um, straight up in April this year. So I'm going from long-distance 20k swims to 25-metre, 50-metre swims. That's a challenge when you're trying to train for both things in the same year. And I'm going to do the life-saving championships in, in, um, in, um, on the Gold Coast. And life-saving is also different because it's a different stroke. It's a bit more like the open water, but it's not like my pool stroke. So you've just got to, you've got to think these things through and work out, how, can I do them or can't I? And if I can, how do I plan for them? And you periodize your training around that. So you, you've got a plan. I've got a plan. But then yeah. within that, you're using heart rate variability, other body feedback to say, yes, I'm going to go 100% at training today yeah, or yeah. I might need to back it off today. So yeah. you, you're within that, you're adjusting things yeah. up and down. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. So, Paul, if you get up in the morning and like to Beck's point and your, your, your heart rate variability is, is maybe off or yeah. you're feeling a little bit under the weather, mm. do you push ahead and do that like 5K swim or do you think, no, I'm just going to go for a walk or have a rest there? One of the pleasures I have is I, can, is I can largely set my own training plans. I mean, I train with the squad uh, three times a week, but the other times I train, I set my own plans. So I would set the plan based on where my body is at the moment. And, and so if I, I would still go and train and do the 5K, but I'd make it more a recovery session rather than a hard session. So I would, I would yeah, change yeah. things up. You would adapt maybe to repeat times or you might exactly. put on fins or... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 How do you manage that stuff? Well, it's interesting because I've been a bit sick this week. You might have heard it in my voice. So, like, uh, I've been, I think I probably maybe pushed a little bit too hard because I didn't take a break over Christmas. So, mm. when we had our kind of break over Christmas, I think I did one of my biggest weeks where I swam 30Ks in, in eight days, which was a lot. And then we had a little mini break last week for Australia Day. 
and I swam quite a lot, but mm. I woke up on Tuesday morning with a bit of a kind of a head cold type of thing, and then I had to fly to Melbourne and work. And so what I've done this week is just done some uh, some walks, did a couple of small 5K runs, mm. but I tried to stay out of water with this kind of head cold sinus thing. Mm. Um, I'm going to go to yoga today. So I just thought, look, I haven't really had a break in mm. probably have 16 a, weeks. Have, so a swim in, have a swim in the sea, though. I always think head calls in the sea are such a good thing. You reckon? <laughs> yeah, maybe, I maybe, I do, maybe I'll go down after this and jump <laughs> in the ocean. So maybe I might even do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I just think, yeah, I just play it by ear as well. Mm. Um, I just go to listen my to body. body, listen to my body because yeah. I've pushed before and then I've ended up getting really sick and having to take yeah. two weeks off. So I'm, I felt a little bit guilty this week that I didn't do much, but I thought, you know what, I've been training really hard since October. And like you, Beck, I trained really hard over last winter on my own as well because I was traveling so much. Like I was in 25K, 25K, 25 meter pools in places mm. like Toowoomba trying to knock out four Ks, you know, in the evening after working all day and sort of, mm. you know, I'm not going to, beat myself up over five over a five day break you know from it so it's not like i'm doing any it's not like i'm not doing anything either so but yeah. i bet you come back stronger and faster for it and I, I really noticed over christmas i had to do a bit of a deload period because i had some tendinopathy in my elbow and i was thinking oh my god four weeks of these really restricted training sessions i was mm. frustrated i was climbing the walls and i thought i'm going to be super slow when i get back in the water and i got back and i was faster and mm. i thought about what what's going on here and I haven't had really more than a week off in mm. a couple of years of swimming. Yeah. Um, and to have that deload, that really full-on period over four weeks, um, I think I came back better for it. Mm. And you know, I think that really pays to be logging your training and paying attention mm. to where I'm at. And I've been yeah. doing it sort of week to week, not really thinking about it month to month and certainly not year to year. Yeah. Um, but that matters. Yeah. I think for me, like, you know, been sort of looking at the literature in the sort of sleep world and recovery and you know as a as a me as a kind of a precursor to illness my sleep is always pretty good which you'd hopefully expect it would be but um, one of the big signs in endurance athletes for overtraining and overreaching is the first thing is respiratory infections mm. so i knew this week when i started getting this in the back of my throat and my nose i thought this is the start so we got to kind yeah. of dial it back this week Mm. you know and just and just you know take a little bit of a break so mm. for me a bit like paul is just listening to my body every day i do what, what paul does i mm. put on fins and i cut the session short instead of a run i might do a walk you know instead of going to a yoga class i might just do 20 minutes at home you know i might just uh, schedule some extra extra sleep in terms of not getting up early in the morning changing a session missing out on another swim well, like whatever it is yeah. just deload for that week or yeah. reduce it so yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting to talk about injuries and, and having had to adapt your training for that as well. Just going back to that elbow thing, I had a friend who wanted to support me back into the water and he got me back into the water swimming one arm and one leg <laughs> as an exercise. Really? And it, and it was like, how stupid is this? But but it was a good exercise because you could learn a bit about body balance. It's kind of, you can do things you wouldn't normally do uh, in, in the recovery mode and then you come back and go, oh, now I understand that balance a bit better. Should we tell Eleanor to work that into our drill set? No, no, no. Uh, we, do, we do some drills that I've been doing for two years and I still can't get them right. And Eleanor looks at me like, we've done this. And I'm like, in the war, and I, I can't even describe. It's like a frog having an epileptic fit who's, who's drunk. Control and I'm just like, drowning. Yeah, control drowning. Yeah. So, yeah. There's yeah. a reason it's called Unco, though. Yeah, yeah well, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know, yeah. There's only one stroke I can do, so that's it. Um, so, Paul... Can you give us a bit of an overview of the events you have planned for, for this year or over the, the coming horizon? Like you, We've spoken a little bit about some of the events. 
Well, um, if I just start in the short term, the next yeah. two weeks, we've got a sum this Saturday, uh, Swanee, which is a fantastic... Uh, well, that's the 2.2k, two, two two, two yeah. 2.2, yeah. Hopefully the wind and the current are behind us. It's a fantastic point-to-point sum. And on the Sunday, I'm doing the Shorehaven uh, 5k. Oh, yeah. Um, but then on the Tuesday, I'll leave for South Africa. And uh, I'm going to go and do a, a sum called the Mid-Mile Mile Sum, which is in the Guinness Book of Records for the uh, for the largest open water sum in the world. I mean, they've had up to 20,000 people in this event over a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And I won it when it wasn't as big as that, <laughs> but many years ago. And they've invited me back to come and swim it again. So I'm quite excited about that. And there's all sorts of reunions and catch-ups, and uh, so that'll be fun. And then um, during the uh, the European summer, they're going to do some fantastic swims uh, in Europe. Um, we're going to prime reason to go catch up my wife's family, but uh, we're going to go and swim in Finland uh, from Finland to Sweden. It's called Swim the Arctic Circle, and you, you start a race at uh, at five to midnight. And because it's north of the Arctic Circle, it's still daylight. Um, you swim at five to midnight, and you finish with an hour time change the day before you started the event. I think it's pretty cool. So I'm already going to do that. <laughs> right. So let's 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 stop there for a second. Finland to Sweden. Finland to Sweden. Yeah. What's the distance? It's only a th- I think it's a three point two something like that. It's a river swim. Okay. And and you have to avoid the uh, the sandbanks because the the parts of the river that flow fast and some are a bit shallow. And you're wearing a wetsuit or you? It's fifteen to seventeen degrees the temperature. Okay. So they say you can do it without a wetsuit, but it's recommended. So I'm going to take one and I'll have a swim. And have see, a swim and see. see okay. See, do what it feels like. All right. Yeah. Because it got, that sounded like it was really far. It's a river border. Okay. And you, and you cross the river border. All right. Uh, and uh, north of the Arctic Circle, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I've know some friends who've done it, and they've had you know the Swedish hospitality up there, and it's just uh, yeah, 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 it's a nice event. We lived in Sweden for a while as well, so that'll be nice. And then. Um, we're going to go to uh, San Francisco yep. and do the Escape from Alcatraz swim. Um, and again, it's been on my bucket list for years. I kind of wanted to do that. And uh, so it's a nice opportunity to go and do that. And then uh, from there, we're off to Hawaii to go do the Waikiki Rough Water Swim, which is um, it's a beautiful swim along Waikiki Beach. Uh, you, you get taken out in the current straight out through the, through, the, through the coral, and then you swim across the reef, the whole race just behind the back line. And you got the, you're looking to the, uh, the shore of all these hotels and the white beaches, and last I've done this before. I did it about five years ago, and uh, and uh, you've got turtles and dolphins and fish and this reef below you, and it's just a beautiful swim. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you come in at the end, and there's a big hotel which is your sighter that you're marking for to come for the end, and you can swim in through the channel, or you can take the risk and go across the channel. And catch a wave across the reef. And being a surf lifesaver, I went for the the risky option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It caught a huge wave from the deck and came all the way through. So, <laughs> loved the race. And what distance is that race, Paul? Uh, that's uh, I think three and a half k. Yeah. So yeah. Also that. Beck's making listen her head yeah. of all these yep. holidays. Yeah, all of these down. <laughs> yep. And it's, and the week and that same weekend they have what they call the Maui Channel swim as well. So you can do a, that's a relay, six man relay. Um, oh, sorry, four man relay. That one. Um, we use some. It's I think it's twenty five k's. Um, and that's a that's the Maui Channel, and that again is a beautiful swim. You start you start over the coral reef, and and the f- I've never seen such big fish in in the ocean. You're swimming over these large fish, and then you, and all of a sudden the water just disappears and goes this beautiful blue, and you and the light is shining through it, and it's just you know that's why I talk about open water. Yeah, it's yeah, magic. It's yeah. beautiful out there, um, and uh, of course there's a lot of tiger sharks in that area, so you hope you don't see those. Yeah, yeah. And then you swim across there, and there's big currents, and you've got to be aware of those in the, in the, in the area. Yeah. Um, and then you and you come into the end. Now, the end's a little bit different because there's a big surf break. 
the boat that's been supporting you the whole time doesn't come into the end. Yeah. He takes all your support equipment and your bags and everything, puts it in a big plastic bag, puts a tie around it, and throws it overboard. So as a relay member, you then swim with your bag to the shore <laughs> through the surf break. <laughs> like you've been uh, marooned on an island, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it's lovely being a Maui in Hawaii in the whole area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And good. so you, you haven't done any of those swims then from like Maui to Molokai, is that what you call them, or those islands? Uh, or? I've got a friend, in fact, Bob Tars, doing the Molokai swim this year. Yeah. Um, and that's a very tough event. Um, I mean, they have a Molokai ski race. And that even ski guys battle, so he's going to do a very tough swim. And I, I'm not sure the distance. I think it's about 50 k's, 45, 50 k's. Mm. Um, and it's windy and currents mm. and uh, all luck to him. So, what's the longest swim you're going to do? Is it 20k at Rottnest? That the longest swim That's this the longest year? One, yeah, yeah. Have you not? Have you have you tickled uh, with the uh, the idea of the ultra swim for the port to pub? I've, I've actually done, I've done that. Oh, you've done that? Yeah, so you've gone 25. You've gone 25. Yeah, yeah, is that the longest you've done? I've done that one, yeah. I did, again, it was just like, ticket, don't need to do it again. Don't need to do it again. Was that much different than the 20K solo? Psychologically, I set myself up to say, you know, the first 5Ks along the coast, that's just the warm-up, uh, and then you start swimming the 20K. So yeah. that was kind of in my mind, it was okay. It was only when we got to the 10K from the end mark, which in the Rottnest swim was halfway, <coughs> and I suddenly thought, shit, that's 15Ks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like a, whoa, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the only time I hit a, a, a kind of a mental, because you go through some dark moments on swims like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, there was a, there was a moment. Can you tell me how you come back from dark moments? Because that's something I wanted to ask. I think yeah. we've all had that experience in yeah. a big, long, open water yeah. swim. You've been deprived of the ability to talk to people or really have to talk or see properly yeah. or all of that sensory deprivation yeah. is a thing. And yeah. suddenly you're all on your own with your dark thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happens yeah. Yeah. for you? Well, there's a couple of things I do. What I, I, I've set myself up with a couple of lines that I use, like uh, maybe long and strong or something. So I kind of start going, okay, long and strong, get back into that kind of ocean again. And, and, and I love music. So there might be some songs that I've already kind of preset myself with as well, and I get one of those into my head. And the music starts going, and it just helps me get back out again. Can I ask what songs? You can oh. go your own <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. your ah, the own tiger, way. All those kind of ones, you know, there's tons of them. Yeah. Don't yeah. stop <laughs> thinking about my You're as cold <laughs> as ice. <laughs> I love them. I love them. <laughs> but, but you're right. The, the beats of some of those songs are so good to get the, the, the motion going again and to kind of get you out. And uh, yeah. yeah. Do you sing in? Yeah. Big time. Big time in my head. Yeah. So there's two things I do is I sing in my head and I like relive all the 80s classics in my head. Yeah, I love yeah, 80s music. Yeah. So that's why I head to Foreigner and all those and Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Um, I sing in my head. Um, I also use mantras, so a bit like what you were saying, yeah. long and, you said long and strong. Long and strong, yeah. So I used one in running, which was, um, the longer I run, the better I feel. The yeah. better I feel, the longer I run. Yeah. It's like a circular nice. type mantra. Nice. So I've just replaced that with, the longer I swim, the better I feel. The better I feel, the longer I swim. Yeah. And I just, and it really just like, kick something into my head. Yeah. And so I use that on the weekend. We did like about eight, eight and a half K swim on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, a group of us I think you jumped out after about four because you were doing a 10 on the Sunday but sort of in the last mm. I think K of that swim I started doing that and it really like yeah. it does something actually I think physiologically does something to me yeah. my like energy levels start going up my heartbeat increases yeah. I feel good I start lengthening my stroke I feel better when I was running I'd start feeling like I was starting to run on a cloud and I think um, Paul it's probably what you talk about that flow state yeah. where you get into this flow and you just feel like I'm going to just like nearly start flying in a minute. Yeah. It's just like you're in a different land. Yeah. 
and I've never done lots of drugs and but people talk about when they do like big doses of mushrooms or DMT yep. they feel like they're in a different world mm. and that's where I go in those events you I get start I get that high oh, and it's just like it's like nearly mm. it's nearly like you could die at that moment because yeah. you're just I don't know synchronized with everything it's hard to describe and I think more so in endurance events like your t- like this mm. t- people can't see the look on your face describing someone else swims yeah. and I know exactly because I get that feeling even just down at Cottesloe yeah or I've had that feeling on 100 mile runs mm. in the mountains in Colorado. And you're just like, this is unbelievable. I'm yeah. at like yeah. 12,000 feet flying down this mountain. I've done 70 kilometers already. I've got 100 to go and nothing is going to stop me. Yeah. And I cannot believe I'm here. And this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And how good is life? Yeah. And you're yeah. just like you to keep flying down. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I hope this, yeah. I hope this ends, but I hope it never ends. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you cross the finish line, you're kind of like, happy but sad as well because yeah. that experience has has gone mm. and every race or every event is different and you can yeah. never relive it yeah. but those memories though will last with you forever like when i did the leadville run which is one of the hardest runs and i do talk about a lot which people are probably sick of hearing me talking about but it meant a lot to me mm. because when i failed it in year one when i tried it but the year two um when i did that race i was just like in my mind my mantra for that you get these big buckles for doing ultra runs like big like cowboy buckles and I was like, pain is temporary, the buckle is endless. Yeah. I'll always have that buckle. I, you know, and when I put on that belt, it's like putting on the heavyweight championship of the world. <laughs> I put on it maybe two or three times yeah, a year. Yeah. And when I put it on, I'm like, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. You know, and I just love it. You yeah, know, and yeah. I and I it's just it brings back this brings back memories. The association you know? is there. Yeah, and it's not so much about yeah. the run, it's about the fact that um four years before that I'd never run a marathon. Mm. Uh, I did the race the year before and dropped out at the last checkpoint 88 miles in or like a 140 k's in or whatever it was and then went back trained really hard and did it and Mm. it wasn't about the finishing position Mm. it was about that personal goal and I kind of look at that sometimes and think fuck if I can run for nearly 28 hours straight in altitude in mountains Mm. I can listen to this asshole you know that's giving me grief today or I can put up with a bad training session or I can puke and keep going yeah. because I know I can do it so for me it's much more it enables so much more in my life than just ticking the box of the event mm. it actually proves to me that I can do things and it's that sort of stuff that I kind of bring into my mm. daily life mm. you know and it gives me that sense of realisation that oh, this ain't so bad yeah, yeah. you know but but the point you make also be able to tap into that as well because you can tap into that emotion and use it again in another event yes that's so important yeah yeah, and I've done that in, in swimming yeah, as well. Like yeah. the Perth swim through a few weeks ago was yeah. pretty choppy. I think yeah. you were in it as well, and, and so were you, Beck. And you know, it was pretty kind of wasn't great conditions. And I was like, "Ah, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. This is shit. Yeah. You've done worse than this. Let's go." Yeah. And I, in my head on that one, I was sit here shouting in my head, "Let's go, champ! Let's go!" And I start eyeballing some people who are better swimmers than me in yeah. the pool. And when I start passing them, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah another one, another yeah. one. Let's go, let's yeah. go!" Yeah. And that was more on that day. I needed that aggression yeah. to chop through that 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 crap of the of the water because yep. it's pretty windy so it, it depends on the race and the day yep. and it was a shorter swim three and a half k so i took that more like a kind of a mm. sprint of a yeah. or a or a <laughs> boxing match nearly like yeah let's go yeah so yeah i think everyone's different i think that knowing what you can handle physically is mm. is a really important piece but the, the bit i want to pick up on there is, is knowing what you can handle mentally that's the yeah. thing i learned so much mm. from my first roto solo um, I, preparation I learned about I learned about managing my mental while I was in probably the hardest physical challenge of my life when I was so sick and um, stuck in a current and really exposed and really cold and you learn what you can draw down on mm. and just 
how far away your edge is yeah. than you know than, than you think it might be and mm. and you know to be able to finish that and look back and go yes mm. right I, yeah. I know just how hard I can push myself yeah. and yeah. just how much I can handle mentally um, so one of the things right. I think um, living with type one um, one of the things I've got to do as every other person living with type one has to do is if we've had a train smash over 24 hours with blood glucose levels we still get up and grind through the day and mm. show up for work and sport and life and family and travel and study mm. and friends and everything everybody else does mm. um, and you're comfortable with being and feeling uncomfortable and mm. that was the piece yeah, that yeah. I could really mm. pick up on and use in the rotto swim mm. when I was feeling extremely uncomfortable it's like I know what this feels like yeah. um, and I know that I can push through this mm. so yeah. yeah no I, I think I think yeah uh, I think that's a nice line that uncomfortable being uncomfortable because yeah. that's right. Mm. Yeah. And also knowing that there's always something further. I mean, one of my favourite swimming events is a 200 metres freestyle. And it's only because in my mind it works so beautifully. It's an easy swim of the first, you know, you don't want to go too hard in the first 50, although you're going hard. You don't give all the X. Next one, you're starting to push harder. Third one, I go flat out. I give everything I've got because I know there's always something left for the last one, mm. the last lap. Yeah, There's yeah. always something in your body. Yeah. Well, you, you know? always run up the beach at the <laughs> end, no matter how rapid <laughs> you are, right? He's like, hey, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and I only run if I'm being chased. Yeah. So it's, it's an amazing thing where you yeah. go, oh, gosh, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit left in yeah. the tank no matter what. Yeah, it's always but, but we're talking about the tough stuff. The other piece that I want to pick up on is is the joy and yeah. the feeling that I get and the one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to open water swimming is awe. It is that sense of total mm. presence mm. in my body, of the feeling really down into the very moment and to the second of my arms grabbing mm. the water, the feeling of it sliding past mm. my skin, mm. the bubbles, the sunlight, that the, the fish underneath yeah, me, what yeah, you described. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of smiles in the room yeah. right now yeah. for people yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that awe yeah. part. Yeah that I'm in something that's so much yeah. bigger than me yeah. and I'm racing and I'm yeah. on my physical yeah. edge and I'm pushing mm. myself mentally as well. Yeah. That's that's really the stuff. Usually described, yeah. So and, I, and I think one of the things that's different about swimming compared to running, for example, is when you're running, people can talk to you, which is great. Like I meet mm. some great people, you know, it's mm. awesome. You can hear a lot of the sounds around you. You can hear your breath. You can listen to music. You know, you can stop and vomit if you want. You can <laughs> stop and eat and all that. In the water, no one's talking to you. Yeah. You're in your head more. Yeah. You can't listen to water. Or sorry, to music in the water. Well, you can, but you can't in the races, right? And also as well, by the way, for people listening, there's no flotation devices. There's no fins. There's no snorkel. There's no mask. A lot of people think that when you swim yeah. to rottenness, yeah. you got fins. Yeah. Like some <laughs> my pattern, one of my patterns last year goes, you're not wearing a wetsuit, you're not wearing fins. I'm like, no, you're not allowed to. Oh, shit, I didn't think it was this serious. He said, oh, I was just assumed you could wear whatever you want. I was like, no, you can't. Yeah. And so you're in that water, like you said, back, but you don't have that external. It's mm. nearly like being forced into a silent mm. meditation chamber. Mm. And I think that's where your thoughts and your mindset is going to become more challenging. So to that point, Paul, what's the worst place you're ever in on a swim? How, what was the worst you ever felt in your head and how did you get over? What was the darkest you've gone to? I think I've always been strong enough to come out of it fairly quickly. I mean, I've, I've felt it sometime and it's, it's probably that stuff you talk about when you get sick because I've been sick as well in these events and I'm, and I'm a sailor. I've sailed two-thirds of the world. I don't get seasick, but I've been seasick in the swim when the mm. conditions are that yeah, bad yeah. and you've got all this liquid in your stomach. 
And that's a horrible moment when you, when you suddenly feel your muscles are getting weak now because you've dehydrated. And yeah, I might puke now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's tough times. Um, but you kind of, I, I just have the ability, I think, to kick out of it and go, okay, yeah, that's past, you know. We're now. Where are we going to go? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't dwell on the past too much. So just like move forward, yeah. just keep going, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people in ultra events, whether it be triathlons, running, swimming, whatever it might be, tend to think that the other person in the event has this nailed. You know, as in, oh, that guy there, or, or yeah. she knows, or yeah. he knows, they've, they're, they're yeah. mentally more tough than me, they've got it all dialed in. Mm. But in actual fact, when you start talking to other people, yeah. we're all in the same ball. Yeah. We yeah. all have periods of like, oh, can I do this? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. This is the last one I'll ever mm. do. Can't believe I did this again. Yeah. I'm a fucking idiot. Why did I sign up for this? I can't believe I spent money and time training for this. I should be on my couch, blah, blah, blah. But we all have the same, mm. we all go through the same range of emotions. We all have those tough times mm. in an event but we all find it somewhere to, yeah. to dig to in dig and deep. dig deep and, yeah. and sort of get over. So, yeah. yeah. And the quicker you do it, the better. You know, go deep, but come out quickly. Yeah. And it's interesting, like you were saying about the mantras, I'm nodding about the mantras mm. or the music. Yeah. And these are some of the things I was saying to you on the weekend. I just do, do the same things. And yeah. the other one as well is, you know, when you are feeling like you can't go anymore, can you take one more step? Yeah. Can you take one more stroke? And then you just do one more, yeah. one more, one more. One more, and all of a sudden it becomes easier again. No, it becomes it comes yeah. easier. You get out yeah. of it. You know, I've done that in running where my two legs have cramped up and locked. Yeah. Yeah. I've been punching my calves like to try and un, you know, yeah. with sixty k's into a hundred k race, yeah. and I'd be walking like like a crab, and I'd be just screaming like in the forest, gone. Listen, yeah. you're not giving up. Like like you're not yeah. like a psychopath in the in the yeah. woods talking to yourself. And next yeah. minute, five minutes later, it, it subsides and you go. And yeah. in the water too, I've had cramps or having negative thoughts, yeah. and you just start talking to yourself and you go, listen. But, but I think the other thing I've learned as well is you need to move that mental picture that you've got. You know, sometimes you might get a shoulder problem or something's not feeling right. Yeah, you yeah. Stop worrying about the shoulder and think about pushing back, finishing your stroke. Or yeah, yeah. And it's just all about um, changing that mental awareness where you're focusing. It gets you over that problem as well. And the shoulder problem disappears or whatever. Mm. You know, the twins that you have. Yeah. I know what I think about is when I suck in a breath, I'm sending that air and that oxygen yeah. to that part of my body. Nice. And the other one I do is I was taken from Buddhism is I, I end up start kind of, um, it's kind of a love and kindness practice from meditation. Yeah. I start going, I love my shoulder. It's okay. Yeah. I'm looking after you. Relax shoulder. Yeah. And all of a sudden then all that tension or how you're holding it totally just right. starts subsiding as yeah. well. Yeah. Might sound a bit hippy dippy, but it's allowing my body to relax. No, no. Mm. And making me, you know, The mind continue. is so powerful. Yeah. Oh. If you use yeah. that mind, it'll help that body. Yeah. I believe a lot in that mind, body, heart part, you know. Yeah. That's why when I grow up, yeah. I want to be a transformer. <laughs> 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 Don't laugh at my dreams, Beck. <laughs> I've thrown you off your question. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> I, that's what I wanted to ask. Um, when you talk about the breathing part and yeah. sending that breath to wherever the place of your body that's hurting or niggling or breath work is mm. something that uh, I've been looking into recently and, and trying to understand a little better yeah. and practice myself. Do either of you guys use different breathing practices around your swimming, around your training in life? Mm. Of you, could, you both mm. do yoga. Um, can Yeah, Paul's nodding. Yeah, breath, breath are I think it's the yeah. one of the most powerful things we have is to use your breath. Um, from from the basic kind of just the nerves to understand the nerves and get the butterflies as I call them flying straight I use breath control for that and start deep breathing exercises or breathing exercises um, that that's kind of right, right up front would be use, using breath for me using bilateral breathing has become such a powerful part of my swimming mm. because it's because it, it you don't get panicky with it 
you know, whereas if you're breathing yeah. every single stroke, you can quickly get into a panic with it. Yeah. 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 So bilateral breathing is really a powerful part of that as well when you're swimming. And uh, th this is something I found, you were talking about body fat earlier on, that as you're getting older, I seem to be sinking a little bit lower in the water <laughs> where I never used to be as high. Yeah, yeah. By using my breath, <coughs> I can actually hold in my, in my chest air and it actually helps the body float up a bit more. It doesn't help the legs as much, but... Uh, you know, things like, so there's different ways I use breath as well. So nerves, panic control, flotation, all sorts of things. Mm. And, re and recovery. And, and I've noticed, I notice even my own personal stuff. When I'm stressed, involuntary, I'll just take a big breath sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it just like, calms the body down again. You know? I notice sometimes when I'm feeling really stressed at work and I take a moment to do that, mm. I feel like I haven't actually breathed for, it's that sense of, I haven't filled my lungs up to yeah, 100% yeah. in possibly hours. Yeah. I've been shallow breathing at yeah. the top yeah. and it makes such a big and immediate difference, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I've, I've uh, similar to Paul, I've done some different things. So I actually found that I, I wouldn't say I conquered or cracked it, but I found that doing martial arts was so important for breath work for me because naturally, especially in jiu-jitsu, if you can't control your breathing, mm. you can't defend yourself or you can't fight. So if you can't control your breathing, you're gone, mm. right? And I see this as probably the biggest thing when new people start in Jiu-Jitsu the first six, 12 months, yeah. they're panic stricken. Yeah. So a guy will come in and he might be 90 kilos, all muscled up. He looks like an MMA fighter. You know, he's a white belt. I'm a brown belt in Jiu-Jitsu. I'm like 78, 79 kilos, gray hair. Mm. He probably thinks I'm gonna kill this guy. And then I start like just manhandling him and, and just being so relaxed. Mm. And he can't comprehend and he's going, <laughs> So the first thing I would say to that guy is like, just relax your breathing. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not yeah. gonna like, let's just, we're just playing. So relax, that, that's the first thing and try and get them to relax. Yeah. So I'd say the same thing for any event where it's like what Paul said about bilateral breathing, try and control your breath in that mm. environment just to get into some normal state. Mm. Mm. So I think that's so important. And for me, that was taking that knowledge from, from jujitsu into swimming was the same as well. Mm. And I had that in running as well. Cause I would be so calm my breath in running. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so I was able to kind of keep going for longer. The other thing I've, d I've done as well is um, I do at least one, if not two, silent meditation retreats every year. We do a lot of meditation, focus on breath work as well. So through... Vipassana? Uh, yeah, Vipassana. I've Vipassana as well. Yeah, so I've yeah. done a couple of three-day yeah. ones. I just did one just yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. Um, I generally, I would classify myself more of a secular Buddhist. I often mm -hmm. go and do like Tibetan Buddhist courses or Theravadan Buddhist mm -hmm. courses just out of interest. But I'm more of a secular Buddhist, so I live it more like a philosophy. Um, so I do those I do yoga a couple of times a week and I really in the yoga session try and focus on the breath as well mm. Mm. Um, and I often will use I'm not a great meditator but I will use sort of um, you know breath work as well the other thing I'd say to you is which, which is worth checking out is last year on my podcast I had a guy called Rob Wilson who has is the art of breath so he works with people like Laird Hamilton in the States mm. he works with actors as well all about breath work he studied a lot of yoga in India himself He's also, I think he's a Jiu-Jitsu blue belt as well. So he's based in the state. So he was one on last year. There's also another guy that works with Rob um, called Jason Donaldson, who's based here in Perth. Um, so those guys have a have a course online mm. called The Art of Breath, which is definitely worth checking out oh, um, about you. breath work. And they do a lot with athletes. So like people mm. like Laird Hamilton, who mm. does like big, yeah. big wave surf and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he works with him and other but actors but I would as well. Link the other thing that link with breath and meditation is also visualization, because I quite often yeah. use that as well. It's like when I get myself really down and low, I mean, when I talk low, I mean, I feel myself like a puddle, you know, when I'm lying yeah, down, yeah. I've gone into like a puddle mode for me. 
Um, then the visualization starts. I can't imagine you in puddle mode. Oh, puddle mode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what, Paul? I think visualization is a is a under. And I don't want to start getting into people may remember the the book, The Secret. Oh, if you just visualize it, you know yeah. it'll happen. It's more than just visualizing it. You got to do it as well. Oh, but okay. I think visualizing it helps you set a target or a goal. So you know you want to write down your goals. Yeah. So I find that when I write down my goals, I want to be this. I want to have this. I want to achieve this. I want to do that. Mm. Everything. I often find like notebooks at home and I go to my wife here check this out yeah. look at this I wrote this out in 2010 this is the job I wanted yeah. and I have it and she's yeah. like that's weird or and she does the same thing as well yeah. this is the kind of house we want We that's that's what yeah. we get yeah. and and but obviously you do the work behind it yeah. but you got to kind of set the vision you got to you got to because if you don't know where you're going exactly. how are you going to get there exactly. and even subconsciously in the back of your head if you're not thinking about every minute of the day it's there yeah. and you work towards it yeah. you know that's why I'm going to write 25 million dollars revenue on the wall there <laughs> and see if I can get that why are you laughing back come on <laughs> so I think you're right though if you do the visualisation mm. it's really important mm. and I think for me this year for example now that I've crossed that line and the rottenness swim that's going to be in my mind that feeling yeah. of swimming into that bear now yeah. I like that yeah. that's, that's set the in my the visualisation you must do is right from the start so you actually run the whole event the whole event oh, and, okay, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and break it up uh, chunk it originally so yeah. just do the start and just do the first 5k's and the 10k's or whatever and, then, and, and the more you visualise that the more you can put it together and the quicker you can run that visualisation yeah, yeah. It, it becomes incredibly powerful because the body's then ready for it and that's mm. it knows what's happening yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're already there yeah. really yeah. aren't you yeah. and it, all, all yeah. that remains to do is just to execute yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. like Conor McGregor the MMA fire has become like you know they reckon he's worth about 200 million now right now like him love him mm. despise him whatever he talks loads about visualisation yeah. about having two belts and doing this and fighting fly with yeah. Mayweather and all that sort yeah. of stuff he's like I've seen this yeah. I've seen this happen so I, yeah, I think you're right I think mm. it's it can be very very powerful yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Paul, um, so you got these events this year. You've, we've spoken about mindset and diet and all that. Now, you're wrapping this all up sort of into a project you've been working on, which we've briefly spoken about. Do you want to give um, give us a bit of an overview well, of this? Well, this, well, it's, this? It's started from the concept that I like to – I like I, I want to help people with yeah. get more out of their sport, you know, and, and, and I realise that there's some wisdom in that that I could share. And the more I kind of looked at wisdom, started understanding that it's, it's really about knowledge, which is easy for everybody to find. But then it's about the understanding of that knowledge and, and finally the experience of it actually having it. So there's, 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 to get wisdom, you need to go through all those different things. So uh, I, I try and work with that and tell, tell people understand the knowledge and understand it and, and, and get the experience. That's, that's kind of moved into, you know, I, I love the concept of flow and trying to work with flow. Um, and, and, and then I'll be talking a little bit about this holistic thing. So I'm trying to put all these bits together yeah. uh, and, and create something about how do you find flow where's your inner strength come from where's your inner balance come from where's your inner energy um, you know all these bits come together uh, in mind body and heart so I've created a little model around mind body and heart and the overlaps and how they work and I've just created an app now which is a free app um, so it's in the it's oh it's a, free it's a free app in the iOS store um, there's a lot of information in the information section so click on that yeah and you can have a look at what is your I'm, I'm now calling it your flow quotient like IQ EQ oh yeah, FQ quotient, yeah yeah <laughs> So you can look at your flow quotient, you can look at your inner strength, your inner balance, your inner, inner, inner energy, which is the overlaps between mind, body, and heart. Yeah. And what's the uh, app called, Paul? It's called Wisdom Circle. So Wisdom it's, Circle. It's, okay. it's from Wisdom Circle, yeah. 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 And it's free? And it's free. Huh. <laughs> so what, what, what made you make it free and just 
Just to get it out there, to get yeah. people to start working with it and starting understanding it. And the, and the questions, you know, there's a number of questions you can work through. And then once you work through the questions, it makes you think a little bit more. And you go, okay. Because ideally you want to get 100% of flow. Uh, you, yeah. know, you won't always get 100%. You can start thinking, well, why am I at 60 or 70? You know, what, what am I... If I keep answering these questions in, in relation to an event or something, what could I be doing differently? And it just helps you. So it's, so it's like a self-assessment. Self-assessment. Yeah. And so does it give yeah. you then some actions or some areas to work on or uh, identifi- identification the, of those areas? In, in the information yeah. section, there's a number of the number of steps that you can uh, recommend it to, to start with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then it goes back to the uh, what you were talking about earlier on about getting that, that clarity of goal, you know, that yeah. get yourself aligned, know where you're going, um, then get some, some, some aspiration for that. So you can don't think too small, think big. Because if you don't aim somewhere, it's not going to get big enough. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. And then go for achievement and, and you know, kind of make it happen. Mm. Cool. Align, aspire, and activate is the kind of three basic steps uh, with any one of those. Align, aspire, activate. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very good. We'll have to yeah. download this, uh, this app and have a look. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely doing that. <laughs> well, it's only just come out this week, so it's, okay. it's brand new in the App Store. I haven't even launched it yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw the email briefly this yeah. morning because I was, uh, I was aware the last yeah. few days and yeah. I had a flick through. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's awesome. So, um, this, is, this is great. Do, we, do you have any other questions, Beck? Oh, look, I, I think that what a terrific thing to give to the world mm. um, in some, a way for people to say, right, I am going to check in on this and here mm. is a system mm. to do that and and some, some feedback, which is stuff that I don't know, I mean, where else could we get that? We So yeah, yeah. That, that idea of a um, to be able to feed that into the rest of the experience of training and work and life and everything that yep. we're doing to just say, hey, where am I landing today and am I, is everything lined up? Yep. Um, I think, yeah, I will be really curious and interested to yeah. explore that. Yeah. Good on give you. Me, give me some feedback. Thank you. <laughs> um, one technical question, Paul, I have here. Yep. Swimsuits, uh, like confi- not, not like as in wetsuits, but swimsuits. Yep. Are you an advocate of a swimsuit? Just a leggings, uh, good old uh, swimming trunks, or what? Do, what do you? Uh, what do you prefer? No, what do you de- I definitely think the swimsuits make a difference. Yeah, um, Fina approves them because they don't float, but yeah. they but they take the resistance away. They hold everything and, and in. And they yeah. hold everything in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I reckon the leg the leg suits probably give you seventy percent at least of a full suit. Okay. So in fact, this Saturday I'm going to swim with the legs on only. Um, so I, I don't have a big problem with that. Um, the full suit, um, I love it. It's great. But uh, the sad thing is, as you say, they you know, $600 nearly, a new yeah, suit. Yeah. And after 10 uses, they're gone. You know, <laughs> they, don't, they don't deliver anymore because mm. um, they've, they've lost their coatings, they've, they've stretched, they, you know, whatever. So it's an expensive thing to, uh, yeah. to keep investing in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so I save them for special races. And yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I, I think they're great. I just wish that FINA, which is the, the world swimming body, hadn't panicked when suits first came into swimming and, and just closed them all down. Because what we've got in swimming now, these just you know, sort of um, um, boxer shorts, you know, the jammers that you wear. And they, um, they're not really, they're, those don't make a big difference as far as I'm concerned. You must wear a, a normal speedo. Yeah. You know, and they're expensive as well and they're tight and they, uh, they, they could have gone for what we use in open water and I think it would have made a big difference for swimming. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But Fina panicked when they, they started getting these really fancy ones that uh, they couldn't control. <laughs> yeah, maybe worry about drug use instead. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Paul, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners about um, your, your, your events this year or anything else you'd like to share with them? No, I just encourage people to keep swimming. I mean, swimming is such a healthy, lovely, outdoor 
non non kind of heavy use of the body yeah. sport. Um, and I just love the way open water swimming has grown. Because uh, when I first started doing it, when I first arrived here, it wasn't as big as it is now. Oh, it's getting huge now. Yeah. It's huge now. And, yeah. it, and, and it's what's so nice about it is you can go down seven in the morning, by 10 o'clock it's finished, and you've got your whole day ahead of yeah, you. Yeah. But you've done a fantastic outdoor event. Yeah. And um, also, there's such a good community around open water yeah. swimming. You, every event you go to, there's, there's people you know and yeah. people are having coffee and breakfast afterwards yeah. and yeah. all of that side yeah. stuff. Yeah. is That's the another big draw for yeah. me is yeah. not only do you get to participate in a fantastic event, but you've also got an amazing set of friends and community around exactly. it. Yeah, that understand, like what we said at the weekend, who understands you or just as crazy yeah. as you and, yeah. Yeah. you know, are slightly nutters as well. So, because there are people outside of, our, outside of uh, I think, endurance events tend to think why are you running this distance why are you swimming like? that's crazy but yeah. when you're with your own sort of own sort of tribe mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of good you know yeah. it's, it's good to the it's crazy good to is normal good. yeah the crazy <laughs> is normal yeah i just hope that we get more sponsors into the sport because at the end of the day um you know the costs are, it's expensive to do you know 40 dollars swims yeah twice a weekend or something like yeah. that it's a it makes an expensive sport yeah that's why you know in, in our business we try to we sponsor two of the events this year in perth yeah. the christmas 10k and the swim through perth as well to try and give back to those events as yeah. well to help out um, i think that's really important for for businesses of all sizes small businesses right through and yeah. and so to give back and, and try and help out and i know lots of people volunteer around these yeah. as well but you're right paul i think the more the bigger yeah. businesses we get in and for i think for other people as well like i sit on the um the board of directors for master swim in western australia yeah. which is a non-for-profit as well i think also as well if if businesses want to get in like you got a pool of a lot of uh highly qualified people in executive positions who swim yeah. <laughs> if you want to market your product as well yeah. you know it's a good mar- it's a good target market you yeah. know you get three or four hundred swimmers um in there you know and if you look at the um like let's say like last year the port to pub app yeah. showed where all the people were who swam or the boats and but it was still activated the next day people had it on and so we looked at it and it was actually just everybody was running the western suburbs apart so yeah. it was, you know it was like there's yeah. a perfect marketing yeah. profile of, yeah. of you know people yeah, with money so sort of so it's, like it's, it's pretty yeah. interesting yeah. but i think also as well i think we need to lower that barrier to get in about the cost that's, that's, that's for me the that, big issue that's, you, you that's the thing you we don't want to make it exclusive keep it growing a lot of people say oh but to go to a pool is pretty cheap a community yeah. pool is like you know anywhere from sort of four to six dollars but i think you're right paul it's the swimming hogs the, yeah. the goggles it's all these other associate costs or swimming on the weekend or getting to the event yeah. or trying to get a board, yeah. trying to get a paddler. Like a Rottnest event can be a very expensive yeah. event. Yeah. So I think we need to try to lower those costs as well by bringing in bigger sponsors, yeah. getting that money in to make it uh, you know, sort of accessible to yeah. all yeah. and you know, lower that yeah. to let everybody enjoy it. You know. and, and have more healthy people. And more healthy people. Look at you living a top yeah. one, leading a healthy lifestyle. It's yeah. fantastic. And smashing it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. But also, like what Beck said as well, like on, uh, I think it was Monday we went swimming up and down at Cottesloe, and we were just doing laps between Norcott and Caw. But as, as big as the ocean is, we were still swimming into people coming in the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> but it was kind of, it was funny after we just spoke about it, like yeah. Beck swam into somebody, we all started laughing. Yeah. But it was also kind of nice to see people's reaction in the water. Like, oh, sorry, everybody, nobody was getting mad. Everybody was in a good mood. And like you said, it just puts you in a good mood for the rest of the day. It kind of connects you to the earth. And, and you just sort of feel really good for the rest of the day. I don't think once I've come out of the swimming pool and went, what a shit session, or the ocean. Well, the Japanese talk about uh, forest bathing. And I, I've got this oh, term yeah. I call it ocean bathing. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's ocean bathing. And it's just so it's beautiful. It's that connection. Yeah. yeah, it's that connection. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. All right, I think that's a great way to, to finish the podcast. Thanks very much, guys, for coming along, and thanks to Beck as well. Um, 
as a quick kind of marketing, I'm just going to grab these things behind you because I want to give a shout out. I'm going to drop something here. So first of all, I'm going to give Beck and Paul a little bit of company sponsorship stuff. So Amelia's uh, Trucker Hat each. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, keep the sun <laughs> off your head. Amelia's water bottle. I think Paul's got about 15 I of these already. Yeah, I've got another one. But I've got a blue one, so I've got a grey one. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I got a grey one. Do you know what's great about these? Yeah. Is you've got the mills marked. Exactly. So so when I'm measuring how much glucose or whatever I've got putting in, I know exactly. You know exactly what's mm-hmm. in it. Good yeah. thinking. Yeah. Now, more importantly, from my friend Dr. Mark Bubbs in Canada, who I've been on his podcast and he's been on mine, I want to give you a free or complimentary or gift copy of his book called Peak which is about health, nutrition, recovery, and mindset. So Dr. Mark Bubb has got a podcast on iTunes, but he also works with uh, a lot I've of athletes. I've actually read his book. Oh, you've got it? I've read it. And it's oh, you've lovely. read it? I've read it. I've electronic, but, but it's... You've uh, got an e-copy? Yeah, but it's, this is nice. Thank you. you want I a hard copy book. as well? Yeah, thank you. I like this book a lot. Have you s- I haven't read it. Well, there I'm you go. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Thank you. All oh, right. Well, sorry yeah. about that, Paul. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's very good. And y- you you may even see my name in this as well, yeah. Beck. Yeah, so, there you go. Read with interest. So, yeah. Look, thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it. And I hope everybody listening today, whether you're a swimmer or not a swimmer, I hope you got something over because I think a lot of what we discussed today is applicable to lots of different events. So, yeah, it's the start of 2020. Maybe this might inspire you to go out and even just run a 5K, get up and do a couple of push-ups, maybe work on your breathing, relax, whatever it is, but do something towards improving your health for 2020. Hopefully this will inspire you. So thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you.